Our scripture for this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verse 16, excuse me, verse 18. Luke, chapter 8, verse 18. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. See if you're familiar with any of these lyrics. I'm drawing the main line from five successive verses of this particular song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. There's a father up above looking down in tender love, so be careful, little feet, where you go. That's a children's song, but I really believe it's a lot more than just that. It contains a very much adult message that I think is similar to another commonly thought to be children's song that also has a very mature message, and that is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Of the more important principles that Jesus taught, one of the most comprehensive and yet perhaps one of the most overlooked principles is simply that line in the song that says, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Or to use Jesus' exact words from Mark 4, 24, consider carefully what you hear. I know we're familiar with that statement. We understand at least to some degree what Jesus meant by it. But I think it's important that we go back and review Jesus' statement and what that means to us as a modern society. Literally the phrase, I went back and did some research could be translated, see what you hear. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but what, what Jesus is telling us, in other words, is pay close attention to what you hear. Reflect on it. We, we oftentimes say, watch what you say, even though optically that's not possible. But in this sense, we're talking about watch what you hear. And so we need to give it some time and thought. In Jesus' words, I think we're a solemn reminder of the responsibility that each of us has of hearing. Actually, Jesus wasn't the first person to give hearing a preeminent position. You go back to the Old Testament, and you see that the Old Testament elevates hearing over the other senses. Notice, for example, the process that qualified one of God's priests for, for service in the temple. Take the other ram, the Bible says, slaughter it, take some of the blood, and place it, this is strange but interesting, and place it on the lobes of the right ears of Aaron and his sons. That's Exodus chapter 29, verses 19 and 20. We, we might look at that uh, particular mandate and say, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Maybe you could say, uh, anoint it on the eyes so that they could see God's will. Or maybe you, you could anoint the tongue and, so that you would be able to be equipped to uh, proclaim God's message. But more fundamental than, than seeing or, or proclaiming, the ears in the Old Testament were anointed so that they could hear God, they could assimilate his message, they could take it deep inside. That was the responsibility of the priests, but it also came to be the responsibility of all of God's chosen people. The ear was so important in the total picture of a person that it really became a symbol in the Old Testament of the entire, of the entire being. 
It's no wonder then that Isaiah would say that God revealed himself in my hearing. That's Isaiah twenty-two fourteen, Or that each morning God awakens my ear, Isaiah 50 and verse 4. And that's because our ears represent ourselves. They often stand for the whole person in, in biblical literature. And when our ears are awakened to God, it means that we have become fully alert that we are now ready to receive. Back in the days when CB radios were very popular... In fact, took this nation by storm. One trucker would begin his dialogue with another trucker by asking, got your ears on? And that's basically what the Bible is asking us. When we approach the word of God, when we come to a situation like this, whether we're in a Bible class, in our own private study, or we're sitting and listening to a sermon, we really need to ask ourselves, how is it that we're listening? Are we, are we listening with an end in view? Or are we simply listening to pass the time? Is there something that God wants us to accomplish when we open our ears and our hearts to his word? By the way, this emphasis on hearing God's word was distinctive in the Old Testament to Judaism. Other religions contemporary to Israel emphasized seeing. Watch that comparison and that contrast very carefully. The worshipers of these pagan religions wanted to have some kind of vision. And so they produced idols and images that they could look at, and that they could gaze upon. That was their emphasis. They wanted to have something that they could see. And even when, when Moses went to the mountain and came back, you, you know exactly what was happening with the Israelites. Aaron had capitulated to the demands of the people. They had made a, a, a golden calf because that's the way pagans thought. And they had slipped back into that mindset. We want something that we can see. We worship the God of heaven, but you can't see him. We want some kind of image. And, and that was the focus within the context of God saying to, to ancient Judea, you need to have a relationship with the true God, Jehovah God, that is different than that. And, and no, you can't see him. And no, you can't have a photograph that you can put in your, in your pocketbook or in your wallet of this God, but you're going to have a greater, more profound, more intimate relationship with this God that you cannot see because of the power of hearing his word. These ancient words that we sang about this morning. And, and while Judah was, while the pagans rather were focused on seeing their gods, very often what was missing in those ancient religions was a message. So hearing to them was not important. It was not vital. A worshiper could go through those rituals that prepared himself for his vision, but then he would leave his worship and go back to daily life with absolutely no message in his heart, no guidance and, and no interchange, no spiritual transformation that has taken place because of his experience with this pagan God. So the sacred moment for him was having that vision, not receiving a message or knowing where to go or even knowing how to live. In contrast, as we page through the Old Testament, we see that Israel's God, watch this carefully, church, Israel's God had a message to be heard. It needed to be pondered upon. And most importantly, it needed to be incorporated into life. And so in the Jewish religion, there were, no, there were no idols, there were no images, there were no pictures. And maybe you've thought about this already. You've gotten ahead of me. You may well remember that the second of the Ten Commandments was, you shall make no graven or carved image. God made it clear. You're not to have a God that you can look upon. 
Not in the sense that these pagans, these idol worshipers, want to have some graven image. I don't want you to substitute that for me and then began to worship the substitute rather than the one God. Instead, there was a message. And great care was given to duplicate, to distribute, and to preserve that message. Think with me for just a moment about the continued emphasis upon hearing in God's word. It's not just an Old Testament phenomenon. As seeing faded into the background, hearing became more and more important, a fact repeatedly reflected in the prophets. Listen to this, Isaiah 1 verse 10, hear the word of the Lord. What about Isaiah 32 verse 9, rise up and listen, hear what I have to say. Give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live, Isaiah 53 verse 3. Hear and pay attention. Do not be arrogant, for the Lord has spoken. Jeremiah 13, verse 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel 13, 2. Now hear the word of the Lord. Amos 7, and verse 16. Listen to what the Lord says. Micah 6, verse 1. Over and over again, God's people were reminded of the importance of hearing. And so as we look at the walls around us, and we're reminded that our theme for this year is to turn your eyes upon Jesus... I want us to appreciate the fact, the the very important fact, that a part of following Jesus on a daily basis, which is our responsibility as his disciples, is not not just to follow him as we looked at two months ago, and it isn't just to understand him as we looked at last month. It's also willing to to listen to him, to always be willing to be open to his word, to his message in our lives that will, in fact, transform our lives and turn us into his image. Furthermore, everyone and everything is asked in the Bible to hear. Scripture says it's the responsibility of the whole world, of all of God's creation, to give God a fair hearing. And and it's against that backdrop that we can, I think, understand the the heavy emphasis on the importance of hearing Jesus' words when it comes to Jesus' personal ministry. I want us to appeal now to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for just a moment and see how many times our Lord said, I just want you to listen to me. I want you to follow me. Sure, that's the end result. But you can't follow me without understanding me, and you can't understand me unless you open your ears and your heart to my word. He said it over and over again. For example, in Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Chapter 4, verse 9. They may ever be seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Chapter 4 and verse 12. The next four come from the parable of the soils. These are very familiar to us. As soon as they hear it, that is the word of God, the seed planted in their hearts, Satan comes and takes away the word. Mark 4 verse 15. Or what about verses 16 and 17 of the same chapter? Others hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they only last for a short time. And then verses 18 and 19, others hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word. And then chapter 4, verse 20, others hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. They bring forth fruit. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear, Jesus said. Chapter 4, verse 23, and then finally, verse 24 of the same chapter, consider carefully 
what you hear. I, I've got the point, Lord. I understand what you're saying. It is important that I listen to what you have to say, but not only that I hear it in an auditory sort of way, but that I assimilate it in my heart, that I begin to digest what you have to say to me so that it becomes a part of my being. And I don't always have to turn and look at book, chapter, and verse in order to know what your will for my life is at this present moment. When I'm going through a crisis moment, when I'm going through a simple friction moment in my life, I'm going to know what God's word has to say. In moments of temptation, I'm going to be able to say with King David, your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 verse 11. You see, it's it's only when we hear God, when we hear the words of Jesus, and we take them into our hearts and we really digest them. I don't mean just eat and chew. I mean we digest them and it becomes a part of our spiritual system. Only then can we truly say, I am now following Jesus. I really have turned my eyes on Jesus for he is the light of the world. And no one else has the qualifications nor can they equip me to follow him the way he can. I want us to think for a moment about the corollary the connection in Scripture between, between hearing and, and, and farming. And to the first century world, that would have meant a, a great deal because most of those people in an agricultural society would immediately tune in to what Jesus had to say. They would be thinking, oh, yeah, I do that every day. A sower went forth to sow. I know exactly what he's talking about. And you find that kind of comparison throughout the New Testament. Now, agriculture was the best possible metaphor that Jesus could have chosen to describe the process of hearing God. The agricultural stories picture God penetrating deep into the soil of our hearts. And not just penetrating deeply, but putting down roots and growing and bringing forth fruit in our hearts. And then he goes on to say the smallest seed, oh, I don't know, like a mustard seed, can eventually grow and become a huge plant that the birds can come and rest upon. The first century crowd would have listened to those words and say, "I, I know what he means by that. Simply because we live in a world, we live in a world saturated by sound. We can't always choose the words It's true that that hearing sometimes is independent of our will. What I'm saying is we we hear things that we don't necessarily want to hear. Am I right about that? We live in a world that is oftentimes a cacophony of noise. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting old, but I'm leaving more and more stores because I can't deal with the music. I mean, it used to be background music. I'm preaching now, aren't I? It used to be background noise, and now it's foreground noise, and sometimes it's irritating. And so I just go, okay, forget what I'm, I'm looking for. I'll leave. In fact, we had some new neighbors move in a couple of, uh, well, probably a year ago now. And uh, I introduced myself to him when he was outside one day, and he acted like I was supposed to know who he was. And I didn't. And I was really surprised he didn't know who I was. No, not really. <laughs> But once we got to talking, very nice fella, he's a host with one of our talk shows here in Montgomery. And so he told me his name. That didn't mean any. I said, I'm sorry. I don't listen to talk radio. And then I enumerated at least a couple of reasons. And he said, well, maybe if you'll tune in, we can change your mind about that. We live in a world where we're going to hear words, aren't we? And sometimes it's not the words we want to hear. It's not the sounds that we want to entertain. 
We can't always choose the words that come our way each day in this world of sound that we live in. But according to Jesus, no sound has traveled its full course, watch this carefully, until it's reached our heart. In fact, in the New Testament, the ear is something that is actually synonymous with the heart. And so the Bible says things like this. Some resist God with uncircumcised hearts and ears. That's Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. While others respond to God's message with open hearts, Acts 16, 14 says. See what God's saying to us. I want you to hear me. If you're really following my son, you must listen to me. But that listening isn't just something that you do for 20 or 30 minutes and then you go your way and it makes absolutely no difference in your life. You must assimilate my message into your heart. We see then why Jesus was so distressed during his personal ministry with hearts that were stubborn, Mark 3, 5 calls them. Hearts that were far from him, Mark 7, 6 says, or hearts that were hardened, Mark 8, 17. He's describing people that most fundamentally just would not listen to him. The same message came to each year, but there was a different priority in each heart and each soul. So some listened while some did not. Some assimilated to the message, some didn't. Consider the, the home of a small child that's just learning to talk. Mia and I had that experience at least four times over, and now we're enjoying that with the grandkids. But, but when you have a, a, a house with a small child in it, and, and they're just learning to talk, that, that house is filled with sounds of every sort. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's constant noise. And, and even now, when the six grandkids come over a, along with their parents, whose names I've forgotten, but I'm focused... I'm focused on the grandkids right now, and, and, and when they leave, I'm thinking, it sure is quiet. Because a house with small children, as I've often said, is like a blender with no lid on it. And there's a, and there's a lot of noise that comes with that. And, and so sometimes that ch child, as they're learning the language, it, the, the sounds are, are stammering speech, sometimes broken syllables and, and faint resemblance to words. To the stranger, those sounds have very little value. But to the mo mother of that child, those sounds are full of meaning. To her, they're clear. She never tires of hearing them because those are the sounds of her beloved child. She doesn't hear them with just the physical ear. She's hearing them with a mother's heart. She's in tune with her child at the very deepest level of communication. And that level of hearing, I think, symbolizes the open, responsive Christian who sincerely wants to hear God's message. And that's why we don't just open our Bibles when we're here at church. We're opening our Bibles in our own private study every day. We're spending some time in the Word of God. We want to listen to the Lord. We want to assimilate His message. We want to hear it even if we don't understand everything that it's saying to us at this moment. And when we come to fully follow Jesus, we must listen to Him. Not just with the ear, but with the heart. You know, the parable of the soils I've already referenced this morning really is a parable about hearing, isn't it? It teaches that, that we hear God with all that we've made of ourselves. 
We hear him through the filter of every sin that we cling to in our lives. We, we hear him in the context of our worries and our ambitions and our desires. Everything that's going on in our lives are, are filters that we are, are listening to the word of God through. And, and it's going to make a difference in, in whether or not we understand and certainly whether or not we assimilate and then actuate what we've learned. We cannot check all of those things that are going on in our life. We just can't check them at the door. They come to us and they meet the message of God as it is read or as it's spoken. And we respond to God either with one of two things, welcome or defiance. But it depends on what we bring to the hearing experience. Fred Craddock of Emory University said very succinctly, but I think he's exactly right. He said, listening is a quality of your character. Think about that. Listening is a quality of of your character. To want food, he said, requires hunger. To understand moral issues requires a certain moral mindset. To discuss questions of conscience requires that a person first possess a conscience. To look at ethical concerns requires that you have some kind of code of ethics. And Jesus is insisting that if we listen to him, then we also must possess character. And so consider for a moment his plan for building character. And I'm going, to, I'm going to take us to the very end of the Lord's parable of the soils. At the end of that parable, he gave these guidelines, four in number, for hearing. And I'm just going to run through them very quickly, then we're through. Number one, he says, you must hear the word. That's so fundamental. I think everybody would have passed that on the test, wouldn't we? First, first quality is we need to be willing to hear the word. If I never expose myself to the word of God, then obviously I'm not going to assimilate that which I do not know. So I need to be willing to hear the word. We must give the word of God access to our hearts. I'm afraid too many Christians view scripture as kind of just raw information. They go to it in order to get data and facts. And since their approach is analytical, they, they dissect the word of God accordingly. And they ignore his arrangement and begin to rearrange the dissected pieces of the word in columns of information. That's not the way God wants us to read his message at all. Scripture is not just information to be arranged according to Aristotelian logic. God inspired men Please go home with this in your, in your minds, in your hearts this morning. God inspired these men to write a story. And that's essentially what scripture is. It is a story. It's the story of God. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of man. How we came to be in this magnificent universe that we live in. It, it really is. To hear Jesus is, is to hear, understand, and to appreciate his story. Not only hear the word, but secondly, we must make an honest effort to retain the word. I don't know about you and how your short-term memory is working these days. But if we, if we hear something that we think is profound, I, all the time I'm looking for sermon material or, or, or material for bulletin articles or whatever. Sometimes I'll be watching the news or I'll even drive by and I'll see a sign on a church somewhere and I'll think that'd make a great bulletin article or at least an illustration in a sermon. And when I get to the office, I'm going to write that down. When I get to the office, I write nothing down because it doesn't, I don't retain it long enough to be able to do that. If you've got some kind of secret as to how to do that, other than reversing the, t the clock of time, I, I want to know, I want to hear from you. But we, but we really have to work at retaining the word. You see, once the word of God touches our hearts and we really get into it and we begin to appreciate its story, 
We must then be willing. We must then be willing to actually obey the truth. I know that's not a popular message in some churches today. The idea of obedience. In fact, I read an article just a couple of weeks ago that pretty much equated obedience with legalism. Anytime someone says we need to obey what God said, oh, he's a legalist. No, he sounds to me like he's an obedient servant. Obedience is is important, and, and that's why we need to retain God's word. It's been said that God's word is different from any other literature in the world because God's word does not demand just analysis. It demands a response, and that's right. And so when we open God's word, we need to ask ourselves questions like, what changes will this make in my life? How will it affect my relationships? How will it affect my values? How will this affect my purpose in life? You know, it's challenging to discover that in the New Testament, the Greek words for obey and for hear share the same root. I didn't know that till I was working on this lesson. But the same root word, we get obey and hear. Because obey is derived from hearing. There is a sequential logical progression. It's why faith has always been connected with, to hearing. And it's why Paul said in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, and you know the rest of that, don't you? In hearing by the message of the word of God. Now, please don't miss this vital truth. Obedience actually sharpens our ability to hear and to understand and perceive. The more you respond to the word of God, the more you look into God's word and say, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I haven't been doing that. I'm going to start doing that. I have been doing that. I need to quit doing that. The more you respond to obey God's word, the more you will understand and perceive it. Because God has given us that promise, and that's the way he's wired us. The more we respond to God's story, the clearer it becomes. And this is how we retain what we've heard. This is how our faith grows stronger. Obedience drives the hearing process deep into our hearts because that's exactly what the Lord wants for us. And then here's a third thing he said at the end of the parable of the soils. We also need to persevere with the word. You see, it's not just a one-time effort. You don't just sit down with a book once a month or even once a year. You don't just become an active part of a church program on Easter and Christmas and expect to be a growing Christian. No, we need to persevere with the word. Just as soon as we make plans, and this is a part of the parable of souls that you know about as well, just as soon, the Lord says, as we make plans to really take God's word into our hearts and to respond in obedience to what God has told us to do, guess what? Satan is making plans to uproot that word out of our hearts because Satan knows full well what it can make of us if we stick with it. And he's busy and he does his job well. And Jesus clearly in that parable said, Satan will come along and remove the seed, the word, from out of their hearts so that they do not respond. He doesn't want any more on the Lord's side. So at this point, another character quality is needed, and that's the quality of perseverance. And we need to identify the areas in which we're most vulnerable. Yours may not be mine. Mine may not be yours. But 
no matter what those things are that we're dealing with in our lives, whether it's worry or materialism or other desires that are uh, among the tactics that Satan can use, to Jesus said in Mark 4.19, to actually choke the word so that it becomes ineffective in our hearts. Once we've listened to it, we're not persevering. It's not sticking with us long enough to actually make a spiritual transformation in our lives. So not using what we've been given is another way. But we've all done battle with Satan. And we know where he usually strikes. And we know our own individual weaknesses, or at least we ought to. The only question that remains is, will we persevere? Will we stick with it? There may be people in this audience this morning who've been Christians for quite some time, but are asking themselves the question, is it worth it? Is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Will the payoff be sufficient for the sacrifices that I have made for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I hope that the answer that you find in your heart of hearts is an emphatic yes. That you realize that what the Lord can do for you in this life is beyond our imagination. And what he has promised to give for us and do for us in the next life is beyond our ability to even think about. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 3.20. We need to hang in there. We need to stay with it. We need to do right in our lives, but not just one time. We need to do it for the rest of our lives. And then fourth and finally, the Lord says this assimilation, this listening process needs to end by producing from the word. An incredible power to produce resides in the seed of God's word. Don't miss that. That's where the real power is. The power is in the seed. The soil, all it demands is receptivity. And some degree of fertility in order to be able to germinate that seed so that it can bring forth fruit. This is the point, I think, of Jesus' parable of the growing seed over in Mark 4, 26 through 28. Listen very carefully. We're almost through. And he said this. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should, should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow What's this? This is an interesting comment. And the man himself does not know how. So he's planted the seed. He goes to bed at night. The seed is out there doing what seed does. It's germinating in the soil and it's about to sprout up through the surface of the earth. But the man doesn't know how all that works. Because it's something that God has planned. It is a divine mystery. And then he goes on to say, For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. I think the point is, our task is to hear. It is to retain. It is to persevere. And it is God's job to produce the fruit. To produce the harvest. Paul once said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and then verse 9, he said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God is the one who made it grow. And then he went on to say in verse 9, we are fellow workers with God, at least in that sense. We participate with God in this production process that we've been describing this morning. But remember, Paul also said in verse 7 of that very same chapter, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Well, amen to that. That's, that's not where the real power is. That's not where we ought to be patting ourselves on the back and say, look at all the spiritual fruit I produce over the course of my life. We need to be praising God and thanking him for his grace and his mercy and his compassions that are new every morning and thanking him for the power to bring forth that seed in our hearts, but only if we'll listen to him. 
You see, when we participate with God in this process, his spirit begins to produce power in our inner being. He produces fruit in our attitudes. He produces unity in our relationships. All of these things God can do, but don't be fooled. The process that leads to production begins, begins with hearing. So my message to you this morning is simple. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. You know, Jesus is still calling to us today, and he's saying, listen to me, and only then can you understand me, and only then can you truly follow me. And if you want to follow Jesus this morning by becoming New Testament Christian, through your faith, sincere repentance, confession of his name as the Son of God, and to be baptized to have his blood wash your sins away, we bid you come while we stand and while we sing. Sheds on our way while we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey.